You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast, presented by The Daily Goat. Hello, welcome to another episode of Pombo and Peter's Picks. I'm Jason Pombo, joined as always by Peter Alves. Peter, how are we doing today? How are we doing? We're at a training camp as we speak. Well, in the future. Yes. Uh, at this time that the episode's released, we are returning home from training camp. Who's your favorite player? Matt Patricia. That's so, yeah, Matt Patricia is always a classic for us. That's shout out Justin and Bo Sox. He started that wave. I don't know, Peter. I, I mean, next week when we come back on, I, I think we should make it a priority to try to think of three to five players. Well, we're doing the NFL division, so we'll just do the uh, AFC East, right? Yeah, might as well. And then we can kind of highlight our um, people that we like that could make 53 or I don't know. We always pick, like we talked about it last week. We always end up gravitating towards someone that is relatively a long shot to make the 53 man roster, but we've been pretty good. Braxton Barrios is a real NFL player. Austin Carr is still in the league. Uh, who else have we picked over the years? I don't know. It's, uh, I'm trying to think. Braxton Barrios was the best one we had. So that's facts. That, that was that was because he, he is a legitimate player. He makes, I think, three or four million dollars with the Jets. Like he is he he's destroyed legit. the box last he's year. He's legit. Yep, he's legit. Braxton Barrios, we called that one. Maybe we'll be able to call someone else. Feels like we're we did pretty well with receivers. Do we try to change it up? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna pick a running back, I think. You're gonna make a running back? Ooh, that's a good one. All right. We'll save that for next week, so that'll be fun. So, yeah, me and Peter, if you listen to this on Thursday, we are returning home from training camp. Peter's probably sleeping in my back seat. Probably. Oh, <laughs> you take another picture. Asshole. <laughs> All right, Peter, but like we just talked about, NFL season is basically upon us. Uh, training camps are basically in full swing. Uh, the majority of them are starting this week. Uh, a couple of them started at the end of last week. So, look. The NFL is here and uh, look, we did this last year. We broke down division by division. So we're going to do the same sort of thing uh, this week. So this week we're going to start off with the NFC South and then we're going to transition into the AFC South. Uh, So we're going to do two divisions a week for four weeks. Uh, And then we're going to end up doing our Super Bowl picks or awards pick like we did last year. So it's going to be a lot of fun, Peter. Uh, We're going to talk about win totals and uh, you ready to go? Let's do it. Let's Always fun. So all these odds are from DraftKings, um, all these win totals as well. Uh, so let's start off with the NFC South. Let's start off with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, they are the reigning NFC South champions. Uh, their over-under is set at an 11.5 wins. Uh, right now they are minus 300 uh, to win the division. Uh, let's just I'm just going to talk a little bit about their offseason. Uh, they re-signed Chris Godwin. Well, they give him the franchise tag. They re-signed center Ryan Jensen. They brought back cornerback uh, Carlton Davis, brought back running back Leonard Fournette, who was out of shape. Uh, they acquired offensive lineman Shaq Mason, uh, but they did have some departures as well. Uh, they lost running back Ronald Jones. They lost tight end O.J. Howard. They lost tight end Rob Gronkowski. Uh, and early on in the draft, uh, they drafted an edge rusher, Logan Hall. Uh, he was their um, first player selected. So, Peter, uh, what do you think about the Tampa Bay Bucks? Like I said, their total is set at 11 and a half. Tom Brady is coming back for, in my opinion, his last NFL season. Uh, and Todd Bowles is also the head coach is there as well. Uh, Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach. You also forgot to highlight, uh, you called last week, they uh, signed Kyle Rudolph. Oh, Rudolph. I'm sorry about that. Yes, Kyle Rudolph in the picture now. Yeah, you called that last week. But that's yes. the reason why that I have the Bucks as the over. I think uh, Tom Brady's revenge tour. Uh, probably retirement tour. You never know. I, I, don't, I don't really know. Don't, uh, don't say it till it's over, but everybody in that division, even the Saints is a little uh, suspect. Panthers are garbage. Falcons are garbage. So they'll, they'll uh, feast on the NFC South like they always do. And I think uh, Tom Brady is going to have a uh, mission and he'll probably be back in the Super Bowl. Who knows? Did you see that uh, Instagram post somebody put like two weeks ago where they like ranked the top five quarterbacks and Tom Brady wasn't there? And then, like, he commented, he was, like, duly noted or something. He put, like, a check mark. I did see that, yeah. So, like, that's another reason. It's probably going to be, like, MVP or whatever. So you're taking the over, so you think they win more than 11 games? Yeah, I think they'll win, like, 12 or 13. Okay. Nothing, like, too big. 
So this might come to surprise, Peter, but I'm actually going to take the under here. I think the Bucs win 11 games. I have them winning the division, and I think they win 11 games. So I think they go 11-6 and six in the 17-game season. Uh, and I think a big reason why is I think early on in the season, they might have some growing pains. So like I said earlier, Todd Bowles is the head coach, no longer Bruce Arians. Whether that's an upgrade or downgrade, we'll see. But what, whatever it is, it's a new program down there in Tampa Bay. Also, losing Rob Gronkowski, I think that's significant. He was Tom Brady's go-to guy in the red zone, and losing him, I think, is significant. Along with back, Chris Godwin, he'll, he'll be back week ten. But you, you can right now back. he's not back, so I'm just going to pretend he's retired. Chris Godwin, uh, he's also gonna, he's going to start off training camp on the pup list, uh, physically unable to report list, and he's likely to miss the first couple games of the season. And I think Brady's chemistry with Chris Godwin is arguably better than his chemistry with Mike Evans. I think he's he likes Mike Evans, but I just feel like he's always on the same page with Chris Godwin. So I think that's going to be a little bit of a difference maker. So I think the Bucs, right, realistically, their skill position players, how they're going to open the season with Leonard Fournette is out of shape, right? Uh, we talked about that last week. And whether you believe it or not, the Bucs clearly are not happy with where he is. Could that affect his play? Potentially. Mike Evans, Peter, he's your favorite receiver in the league. and Look, I love my Hall of Famer, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Mike Evans is great. But let's say Godwin misses some time. You're looking at guys like Russell Gage, Rashard Perriman to step up, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, who I like, Cameron Brait from the tight end position. I like those guys. I really do. But Tom Brady led teams, they sometimes struggle the early part of the season. And I think they're going to get off to a slow start. Do I think they're going to go like eight wins, nine wins? No. Like I said, I think they win 11 games. And I think the early part of their schedule is also a concern. This is how they start the schedule, uh, Peter. Week one at Dallas. Uh, so that's a difficult game. Dallas, I think they're the favorite to win the NFC East, however you want to slice Wasn't it. Wasn't that last year, too? It was to start off the season. Yep. Uh, week two at the Saints. They've had a lot, Brady's had a lot of trouble winning in New Orleans. I know Sean Payton is no longer there, but uh, that's been as equivalent to as like the Patriots in Miami is the Bucs going to New Orleans. Week three, they're home against the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Week four, home against the Chiefs. You know, like there's those first four games, uh, I, I could see them struggling. I could see them go into like a two and two or even a one and three start. I don't think that's out of the picture. Uh, but I, I think they win 11 games. They win the division, but I just think they hit the slight under. And they are minus 300 to win the division. And no shocker, I have them win the division. Nobody, it's, it's nobody else. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next team, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, DraftKings has them set at eight wins. Uh, and their odds to win the division are plus 360. So let's talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints offseason. Uh, most notably, Sean Payton uh, is no longer the head coach there. It is now Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen was a defensive coordinator in New Orleans the last couple of years. So he now gets the full reins. Uh, they brought in a safety, Tyron Matthew, a safety, Marcus May. Uh, defensive back, Daniel Sorensen was another addition. They re-signed Bradley Roby. Uh, guys, they lost, uh, Teron Armstead, uh, the offensive tackle, uh, and they had some key draft picks. They signed, uh, in the first round, uh, wide receiver, Chris Olave, who we both like offensive tackle, uh, Trevor Penning. Uh, he's somebody that a lot of people also like. Uh, so yeah, the saints are set at eight wins and it's going to be the first year in nearly a decade without Sean Payton at the helm down in new Orleans. Uh, Jameis Winston is recovering from his torn ACL injury. Uh, he's expected to not miss any time, but Look, it is an ACL injury, and those injuries can be tricky. Uh, so, yeah, Peter, what do you think about the Saints? So, I mean, book it. Jameis Winston, comeback player of the year. Maybe MVP. I love Jameis. They're uh, Chris Olave. That, that's his perfect receiver. You just chuck it. That's, that's what he <laughs> does. It. Like 60, 70 yards. Uh, goes back and just prays. But, I mean, like, I think their schedule is uh, pretty soft, to be honest. I know they have to face the NFC uh, West, which is always a godsend, but – I think they can uh, split versus the Bucks at least if they don't all uh, win both because they, they usually do that anyway. So I, I have them as the slight over. I think they're going to make the playoffs of the wild card team. Maybe nine or 10 wins. Nine or 10 wins for the Saints. Uh, so I'm going to, I think they w end up winning exactly what DraftKings says. I think they win eight games. So I'm going to take a push here. Uh, the Saints are a team that a lot of people in the NFC are sort of gravitating towards. It feels like them and the Eagles are two teams that, betters and analysts think like, Hey, these guys are underrated. Uh, also something Peter that I forgot to mention was Michael Thomas. Uh, he looks like he's also going to return for the same. Yeah, oh yeah. Like I'll believe he's been that gone for like 10 years, two and a half years. Like a hamstring <laughs> injury. Sorry. It's true. 
Um, but yeah, I think they win eight games. Uh, I think it's overall going to be a disappointing season for the Saints by they by their standards because I think they think like you. I think they think they can make the wild card and win nine or ten games. I think they're going to fall slightly under. Uh, recovering from an ACL injury is not easy, and I think Jameis Winston could come out of the gate struggling. They also added Andy Dalton. They got the red rifle. Exactly. So maybe he gets a little bit of time. And I mean, Taysom uh, Hill, I mean, like Sean Payton's gone. So like whatever he's got like dirt on Sean, Sean Payton, I mean, he's not going to play like a ton of snaps. But if he's in there a ton, I will uh, do something bad. I don't know really? what he did to Sean Payton to be like, hey, listen, like I'm going to be the second quarterback or whatever. But you, you also see uh, uh, Taysom Hill, like five – eight snaps a game, which I don't get. Yeah. He's still in the picture after that contract extension shot. Yeah, like gave him. 40 million bucks. Yeah. Another reason why I'm taking the, well, the push here opposed to the over is I don't know what we're going to get out of Dennis Allen. Uh, he's coached before. Uh, he was the head coach for the Oakland Raiders back in 2012 into 2014. His record was eight and 28, Peter. That's a winning percentage of 222. So he struggled mightily there. I know that was nearly a, almost a decade ago at this point. And I'm sure he's learned. He's been a good defensive coordinator in New Orleans, but I just don't know how it's all going to go with the Saints. I really don't. I think eight wins is good. I think Winston's going to struggle early on recovering from the ACL injury. I think Chris Olave is going to burst on the scene. I think he's going to be somebody that uh, is going to really connect early. And I think he's somebody that the Saints team can depend on going forward. And if Michael Thomas can get healthy, uh, I think that's also important. Uh, along with Jarvis Landry, who I'm not sure if I mentioned or not, he's also in the fold in New Orleans. Eight wins is what I'm going to go with here. So I think it's going to be a disappointing season for the Saints standards because everywhere I read, Peter, do you think Kamara's going to get? Do you think Kamara's going to get uh, suspended this year? I do, I do, and I think that's oh, really? yeah, I do, I, know. I do. You don't think so? No, I think he's going to get suspended like for next year. I think they're going to drag it out. Could happen. Absolutely could happen. So Peter's referring to the incident that happened at the Pro Bowl last year with Alvin Kamara, which he was uh, arrested. Right. I believe he was rested. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So um, he could be potentially looking at a four to six game suspension if things, you know, go that way. So uh, that's something that we didn't mention that absolutely deserves some sort of mention. So, Peter, you like the over there and I like the push. And like I said, they're plus 360 to win the division. So, I mean, look, I think the Bucs are going to win this division by three games. I do. But if for whatever reason the Bucs are slow out of the gate, could the Saints? I don't know push their needle in the right direction potentially yeah, but the, i don't see it. yeah that, that's the only other bet you, you can uh, do yeah i agree and the saints start off their schedule this is the first four games uh at atlanta week one home against the bucks at carolina and then in london against the vikings so i think it's an easier start than what the, the buccaneers are getting uh but peter let's move on here to the carolina panthers so the carolina panthers according to DraftKings, their win total is set at six and a half wins uh and they are plus one thousand to win the NFC South, plus 1,000, Peter. Uh, so let's talk a little about the Carolina Panthers offseason. So Matt Rule, uh, he is still in Carolina after uh, much was made about his future. This could be his last go-around in Carolina if things go poorly. Uh, other additions that the Panthers made, uh, most notably was Baker Mayfield. They acquired him from the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a 2024th fifth-round pick, uh, a fifth-round pick that could convert to a fourth-round pick based on playing time. In terms of key losses for the Panthers, uh, Stephon Gilmore, he left for the Colts, and they lost Hassan Reddick. Uh, they also cut A.J. Boye. Uh, in terms of notable draft picks, right, uh, they drafted that uh, offensive lineman, Ikem uh, Ukwanu, uh, in the first round, and they also drafted Matt Corral. Uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Uh, a lot was made about him, and he is now in the Panthers' quarterback room. So, Peter, it feels like the Panthers, uh, their offseason was relatively low-key. Uh, in their quarterback room, they have an open competition right now, currently in training camp between Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, who's returning, and Matt Corral as well. So, Peter, what do you think about the Panthers? Like I said, they are set at six and a half wins. So I have them as the under. Even though McCaffrey's coming back, I think he's going to like do his normal thing, probably play like four or five games and just get hurt. Feel bad for McCaffrey. But you forgot to, uh, to highlight the key uh, departure of uh, Cam Newton. What's up with that? Oh, I'm sorry. How could he I was on that team. How could I favorite player in the whole wide world. How could I forget? But, I mean, I, I really think that they're going to start off the year with Sam Darnold just to be cute and not do Baker Mayfield and get him more pissed. Because I don't, I don't think Matt Corral's ready. They wouldn't have uh, extended Sam Darnold or even traded for uh, 
Baker Mayfield. So I really think they're going to start with Sam Darnold, which is a mistake. I think it should be Baker Mayfield to start and then maybe Matt Corral at the end. We'll see how Baker Mayfield does. But, I mean, this is a perfect year for Baker Mayfield, so I won't be surprised if they go over, but I have them as a slight under. I just don't see them winning seven games. Yeah, when you look at this total from the Panthers, they're coming off a, a very disappointing season. Uh, that That's obvious. Uh, and like I said, uh, Matt Rule's back is against the wall, and you could argue Baker Mayfield could be in his last opportunity in which he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. So usually when there's adversity facing the quarterback and the coach, they either pull out of it and succeed or they kind of turtle and it ends up really bad. So like you said, Peter, I could see the situation going in a couple of different ways, but I'm going to take the under here. I think they end up winning six games. So I think they go six and 11. It just feels like the talent in this Carolina Panthers team is just nowhere where it needs to be. Uh, I think the Bucks are obviously going to take care of them twice. And I think it'll be, they'll have a difficult time beating the Saints as well. And I think Atlanta, I think uh, from a talent perspective, I think Atlanta might have more talent than Carolina. I absolutely believe that. Uh, I came in a, when Matt Rule first got hired, uh, I was a big fan of his. I thought that he could absolutely succeed. I liked Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. That didn't work out. Uh, and last year, I was high on Sam Darnold. He started off the year very well. I think Carolina started 3-1 and one to begin the season or something like that. Uh, they started off pretty hot. But everything came falling mightily at the end, and they had to bring in Cam Newton, and it was just a complete dumpster fire. I'm back. Yeah, I'm back, and I didn't win. But... I think they end up winning six games. I think Baker Mayfield will win the job uh, at a training camp, but I think there's just going to be a lot for him to overcome. Uh, hopefully Christian McCaffrey is going to be healthy. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy over the last couple of years. Uh, and Matt Rule and the GM have talked about how they're going to limit his workload early in this training camp along with the preseason. So I think that should have been a given to begin with because he clearly, when he's healthy, he's arguably the best running back in the NFL. He's so versatile, catch passes between the tackles. He can do absolutely anything and everything. He's a good blocker. But if he's not healthy, the Panthers, look, they struggle. And I think we saw that last year. We've seen that when McCaffrey's been out. So I'm not banking on his health status going forward. Uh, And when you look at other skill position players on the Panthers, Robbie Anderson is somebody I like, but he's already coming into the year with a real... uh, a real uh, discouragement that Baker Mayfield is on the team. Have you seen any of that story? Well, I don't get why, because, like, he didn't like Sam Darnold to begin with, right? Like, with his time during the Jets? So, I guess he did. Apparently, he, he was a big fan of Darnold. Maybe at the beginning, but he was a big proponent of Darnold going to Carolina and all that sort of thing. So, I get it. He thinks Sam is the starting quarterback, and I thought Darnold was going to succeed in Carolina, and I was totally wrong uh, to this point, and I don't see that changing at this point. Uh, but I think Robbie Anderson's a good receiver, but there were some trade rumors about him. I could see him maybe even getting dealt in the, I don't know, the next coming weeks. It wouldn't totally shock me. They ended up extending DJ Moore, who's somebody I like, but coming off a season in which I thought he would do a little bit more, uh, they addressed the offensive line in the draft. They absolutely needed to do that. Uh, and then you look at other pieces, losing Stephon Gilmore, uh, how are you going to replace him? They're starting cornerbacks. It's going to, it's likely going to be, um, I think it's probably going to be Dante Jackson and Corey Littleton uh, as their two starting cornerbacks. So you don't love that. Uh, I just don't love the roster. I really don't think the talent is necessarily there. So I'm going to take six wins, Peter. And their six schedule wins. is a buzz. So yeah. Yep. Absolutely. They start, I'll read you their first four games here uh, to begin the season for the Carolina Panthers. So for the first four games, they are. Let's see here, Peter. Here we go. Uh, week one versus the Browns. That should be very exciting. Week two at the Giants. Week three home against the Saints. And then week four versus the Cardinals. So that stretch isn't bad. But then you look at the next oh, just keep five going. games. Uh, home against the Niners. At the Rams. Home against the Bucks. At the Falcons. At the Bengals. So that's that's difficult. And then they end the season. Uh, I'll read you the last two to end the season. is At the Bucks and then at the Saints. So that's two very difficult road games to end the season. I think six wins, and I think Matt Rule is going to be back in college football. Damn, Tom Brady is going to retire Matt Rule. That sucks. Yep, after a 43 nothing win against Matt Rule's Panthers. Yeah, probably. Uh, and last but not least in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, the Falcons, they had a busy offseason, unlike the Panthers. Uh, they did a lot. Uh, in particular, uh, they brought in Marcus Mariota from the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Marcus Mariota was obviously a high first-round pick from the Tennessee Titans early on in his career. 
uh, ended up getting beat out by Ryan Tannehill. Mariota found himself as a backup with the Raiders. Uh, now he finds himself as the starting quarterback with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they re-signed running back receiver Cordero Patterson. Uh, they ended up extending offensive tackle Jake Matthews, who they really like down there at left tackle. Uh, he can actually play a little bit of right tackle as well. Uh, other things the Atlanta Falcons did in terms of the draft, uh, they drafted quarterback Desmond Riddler. Uh, Desmond Riddler is somebody that uh, from Cincinnati who a lot of people liked in the draft. Some people called him a sleeper of this class. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. They also drafted wide receiver Drake London in the first round. Uh, he was the first receiver taken. Uh, and key losses, they lost Calvin Ridley to a suspension for one year, L. Uh, Don't gamble, kid. Yep, exactly. Uh, quarterback Matt Ryan, uh, after over a decade with the team, he finds himself with the Colts. So they finally have a new quarterback, like I said, in Marcus Mariota. Uh, they lost Ed Rusher, Dante Fowler, receiver Russell Gage. Uh, also, they brought in quarterback Casey Hayward, who I forgot to mention. Uh, so according to draft, uh, their win total is set at five, and they are plus 2,800 to win the division. Uh, DraftKings is giving them the longest odds to win the NFC South. Uh, Arthur Smith returns for a second season with the Falcons. So Peter, what is your take on the Atlanta Falcons in 2022? See, like, I think they're going to be the worst team in football, honestly. I, I think uh, they lost way too many skilled position players. They lost – even they lost Mike Davis. They lost – as you said, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Tarjay Sharp. So one, two, three. See so ya. Yeah, Julio Jones isn't there. I mean, Drake London is going to be a good number one. Kyle Pitts is what he is. He's tight end. He's probably going to emerge on the scene, but he's going to get like triple covered every time. So I, I really don't think – I think Mariota is set up to fail, to be honest with you. And I think uh, whatever his name is, the uh, quarterback is going to be in Riddler. there. Yeah, Riddler is going to be in there. Probably by the end of the season, if I had to guess. I, I think he's ultimately a, a set up for failure. But it's not his fault. I think that roster all the way through is terrible. So you're taking the under. How many wins do you think we get? Uh, I haven't have looked. Maybe like – here, I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay. okay. Well, all right. Peter, I actually disagree. I'm going to take the over here. I think the Falcons – tell you what, Peter? Wow. I think the Falcons win more games than the Panthers this year. What? I do. Yeah, I have the Falcons winning – I think they're going to win seven games. I think they go seven and ten. Uh, I tell you what, when the offseason started, a lot was made when Calvin Ridley was – suspended that their wide receiver room was completely screwed. Uh, but when we're looking at it today, Peter, I, I don't necessarily think it's a total failure. I love Drake London. I think he's going to arguably be the best receiver in this draft class. I think he's going to make an impact immediately. They also acquired Brian Edwards from the Raiders, who I also really liked. He was a former fourth round pick with them, but he just didn't necessarily get the playing time with guys like Hunter Renfro there. And of course they added Devontae Adams. So there really wasn't a fit there. Uh, and, of course, Kyle Pitts entering his second year from Florida. Uh, and I think Pitts is an ascending player in this league. And uh, I don't think it'll be very long before he's one of the best tight ends in football. I think we could see him really burst this year. Before, he was very streaky, but uh, I could absolutely see him ascending as well. Cordero Patterson, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a difference maker for this Falcons team. Uh, when he struggled last year, the Falcons struggled. It felt like the team uh, sort of went how he went. Uh, but... I just like this team better than the Panthers. I think Marcus Mariota can have a little bit of success. Uh, I like what Arthur Smith is able to bring to the table. I think he can scheme some things up. And I think Marcus Mariota was patient with in terms of finding uh, where his next landing spot was going to be. I think he could have ended up somewhere sooner. I really do. But I think he ended up being patient. Uh, I know he hasn't started in a couple of years, but. I like the Falcons winning seven games, Peter. Seven I think that game, you yeah. see seven. I'm looking at their schedule right now. You see seven. I do. I think they're going to surprise some people. I really do. I've done I really, I've done three wins at their luck. You think they win three games? Yeah. They'll split I, versus Carolina. They'll win one out of Seattle. They'll win two out of Seattle. Uh, the Bears, Washington, and maybe the Saints. You can throw them in there too. I just think they're going to mix some things up. And yeah. I think I'm telling you, they're gonna win. I think they're gonna win seven games. I think they're gonna be a team that a lot of people, uh, like most people, it feels like they're picking them for like four or five wins. That feels like this. Uh, that feels like unanimously that's what people are saying. And I get it. They look. Uh, they absolutely struggled with Matt Ryan last year, and they they did win seven games as well last year with Matt Ryan. Um, and Ryan had his issues, and the team had his issues. But I think they can end up playing pretty well this year. I really do. I really do. Oh, I shouldn't say pretty well. Seven wins is nothing to really uh, – Seven. If they win seven cigars. wins, they should win the Super Bowl. Holy crap. I think they win seven. So that, that And they are um, 
plus 2,800 to win the division, like I said earlier. So, Peter, anything else left in the NFC South before we transition to the AFC South? Holy crap. Should buy your Falcons. Uh, should call you TJ. Holy crap. Oh, you're right. You should call me TJ. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Anything else in the NFC South, Peter? Both uh, got the Bucks. I mean, yeah. Do you think they're going to make this? Yeah, they'll probably make the Super Bowl, right? Uh, <laughs> will we one well, seed? Yeah. Uh, no, no. The Bucks no? will not be the one seed. Nope, 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 oh, wow. nope, nope. Okay. Like I said, I think I have the under for them, so I have them winning 11. So yeah. I think if you're the one seed in the NFC, you're probably going to win 13 games. The NFC is soft, so. Yeah, the NFC is a weaker, uh, it's absolutely a weaker conference, but I do think you need more than 11 wins to get the one seed. But we'll see how that shakes out. Let's switch gears here, Peter. Let's go to the AFC South. Uh, The AFC South is a division, uh, uh, it's definitely piqued my interest. There's a lot of things that could happen. There's a lot of young developmental quarterbacks. We have veteran quarterbacks, uh, a lot of uncertainty. So let's start off with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, DraftKings has them set at winning 10 games. Uh, they're the favorite to win the division at minus 125. Uh, talking about the Colts, uh, their big offseason acquisition was the addition of Matt Ryan, who we we're talking about, departed from the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan, after, what was it, 13 years with the Falcons, 12 years, whatever it was, uh, he is now with the Colts. The Colts also added cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Uh, in terms of draft picks, uh, they drafted wide receiver Alec Pierce, who I really like, uh, tight end Jelani Woods, who I also kind of really like, Uh, Key losses. Uh, They lost quarterback Carson Wentz to the Commanders. They lost wide receiver Zach uh, Pasco to the Jaguars, I believe it was. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, And they also traded for edge rusher Yannick Nguakwe. So they added him as well. So what are your uh, takeaways on the Colts? Like I said, 10 wins and they're the favorite to win the AFC. How many wins did they win last year? The Colts, I believe they won. They won 10, right? No, no, they didn't. No, because they screwed that up. Versus You're right. The they screwed up the end of the season. They won nine. So, no, all right. Oh, that, oh, hang on, Peter. I'm sorry. Totally wrong. Yeah, they won nine. I'm right. Yep. All right. Nine. So that, that's the reason why I, I have them as the over. There's no way you can go worse than Carson Wentz, even though you, if you think Matt Ryan's Matt or washed up, it doesn't really matter. I, I don't think you can go worse than Carson Wentz. And yeah, that's about it. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to regress, obviously. He's not going to score 20 touchdowns like he did last year and be second MVP. But yeah, that's about it. I, I really think that Carson Wentz is probably maybe the worst quarterback of all time. If you can't be this is the Jags with your playoff uh, hopes on the line, you don't deserve anything. So, yeah, I mean, I have them win the division, too. We'll get to the Titans. I hate the Titans this year. So the Titans. Yeah. So, Peter, I think the Colts, I think they get the same record as last year. I have them going 9-8. and eight. I think they get one fewer, oh, same amount of wins as they did last year. Uh, I do think Matt Ryan is an upgrade. Uh, over Carson Wentz, but how much of an upgrade? I think that's yet to be seen. Matt Ryan, look, he hasn't had a winning record since 2017. He and hasn't was, had a defense since like the Super Bowl. Yeah, that that's also fair, but I mean, he hasn't really propelled his team to doing much of anything. And I think last year's coming off arguably his worst season of his career. They were he threw 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And when you look at the Colts kind of skill position players, I love Michael Pittman, Peter. You know, that's one of my uh. Yeah, that's your guy. That's my guy. That's absolutely my guy. But uh, I was hoping they were add more. I know we talked about it in the offseason, how uh, they should have been poised to really well, listen, add some yeah, guys. Listen, as schedule as usual, they have all this cap space. So they do absolutely, absolutely yeah, nothing. Exactly. Every year. I, don't know course, what wait- I don't know what they're waiting for, to be honest. I love Jonathan Taylor as well. Uh, look, I absolutely love him as a player. Uh, can he stay healthy after that great season? That's yet to be seen. And I love Michael Pittman, like I said. But it feels like there are some holes on this team. Uh, in the defense, to me anyway, I think it's a little bit little bit um, overrated by some extent. Uh, look, of course, who doesn't love Leonard? Uh, it's now Shaquille Leonard, Peter. I don't know if you know that. It is now Shaquille Leonard, oh, not Darius Leonard. Really? It's not Darius Leonard? As of today, it is Shaquille Leonard, yes. Oh, as of Tuesday, it is Shaquille Leonard, yes. So Shaquille Leonard is uh, arguably the best. Look, he's arguably the best defensive player in the league. Um, but I think I'm more, I have some questions about the secondary there. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, can he stay healthy? He slots in right now as that number one cornerback along with Kenny Moore. I have some question marks there. And I think the AFC South, the two teams in the bottom last year, the Texans and the Jaguars, uh, they got the best of the Colts last year, especially in week 18 against the, Jagu- against the, the Jaguars. Remember that, of course. Um, so I think they win nine games. Um, I think Matt Ryan... Doesn't have much left in the tank. I think it's going to be reminiscent of what we saw from Carson Wentz and reminiscent of what we saw with Phillip Rivers. 
So that's my uh, take on the Colts. Get a quarterback. All right, Peter, let's transition to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, DraftKings has their win total set at nine wins. They are plus 170 uh, to win the AFC South. The Titans uh, won the AFC South last year, uh, and they had the number one seed in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they did. The AFC, they did, right? Uh, So let's talk a little bit about their offseason, Tennessee Titans. Uh, So Ryan Tannehill, they are going to run it back with him. Uh, They did, however, uh, potentially draft his successor. Uh, so I think that's absolutely notable when it comes to his future because we saw him struggle at the end of last year. We saw, what was he through three interceptions in the wild card four game? Picks in the four wild picks. Card game, yeah. Right? Yep. Something like that. Um, Malik Willis was the quarterback they drafted. They also drafted wide receiver Traylon Burks. Uh, and they also uh, acquired Robert Woods, the receiver from the Rams. Robert Woods kind of goes forgotten after the Rams brought in Odell Beckham uh, due to Robert Woods' ACL injury. Uh, remember that and he was out for the remainder of the year and that was significant and they end up filling that void with Odell Beckham uh, they re-signed center Ben Jones uh, re-signed linebacker Zach Cunningham and Harold Landry as well uh, key losses uh, of course AJ Brown has to be number one on that list AJ Brown uh, arguably one of the best young receivers in the NFL they end up sending him to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, so instead the Titans are going to run their receiver room with a guy like Robert Woods and Traylon Burks uh, who uh, I mean, I like I do like both of their player. I like Robert Woods uh, more than I like Traylon Burks, but uh, that's how the Tennessee Titans uh, envision uh, their wide receiver room. They also have uh, Derrick Henry, a year older, but still, of course, leading the fort down there in Tennessee. Uh, Peter, I, you kind of already tipped your hat on the Tennessee Titans. I assume you're taking the under here. Yeah, I'm taking the slight under. I, I don't like the Titans offseason at all. I, I wanted them to because they still didn't even address the uh, departure of Julio Jones because I know they got uh, Robert Woods. Like he's coming off an ACL, you can't really trust that. And they gave AJ Brown for a little a draft pick just to not pay him, which I guess if you don't want to pay him, I guess that's the right thing to do. Yep. But you're giving more work on a uh, declining running back that got hurt and uh for the first time in his career, I think, right? Yeah, ba- uh, real basically, basically. Well, like a real injury. I mean, you're giving more more on his plate, and I don't think Tano. I think Tano is going to decline even more. I think he's just a game manager, and he just looks. On his back, obviously, the best running back in football. And I, I don't think Derrick Henry's – Derrick Henry is going to be a top 10 running back, but I don't think he's going to be as dominant as he was in the NFL. So that's why I have this slight under. I, I don't like their offseason as a whole. So you have them winning – so we'll decide on to be probably well, like eight, seven or eight, eight. Yeah, eight games. Eight games. Eight games. So I have the Titans winning 10. I think they go 10 and seven. I think they win the AFC South. And one thing I'm disappointed, Peter, this is just about the schedule – because I was hoping they'd play the Colts like week 18, week 17, stuff like that, where it matters. But instead, they play the Colts week four and then week seven. So that's kind of out of the way quickly. So that's kind of anticlimactic, which is upsetting, because I think those two are going to really vie for um, the AFC South crowd. Why they face uh, Gauntlet Jacksonville. Come on. Who play, who's plays Jacksonville last? Tennessee? Yeah, Tennessee. Though. Oh, I don't like my pick now. Now I'm getting nervous. <laughs> but. I think Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in this league. I feel like what he was able to do with Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill over the last couple of regular seasons is notable. Uh, and I could see a situation in which uh, Ryan Tannehill stays afloat and they're able to win games scrappy defensively. I could see that scenario playing out. Uh, so I think I have them. I have them winning 10, winning by one game over the Colts in the AFC South. For the Colts, it feels like every year, Peter. Uh, it's like, this is finally their year. The, I remember last year we were like, they're the underdog. Uh, everyone should be afraid of the Colts heading into the playoffs and all this and that, but they, they rotate quarterbacks. Like, like you rotate pants. Like this is every day. Like, and I'm sorry, I just don't find that as a recipe of success. Uh, and I just like what Mike Vrabel's program's done. I like how they win football games. I think they do just enough. I think Robert Woods can be a, a good enough player uh, and he can help the Titans offense along. Uh, like you said, losing A.J. Brown is big because he did a lot. He took the top off the defense. He was huge. But I think they do just enough, and they win 10 games, and they win the AFC South. Uh, I think, look, overall, this division, it's arguably probably the weakest in the AFC. But uh, I think Mike Vrabel does enough to win football games, and he hasn't had a lo- – I don't, I don't believe he's had a losing record as a head coach yet. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, th- I think every year Probably he's not. at least yeah. 500. Uh, and I don't see that changing uh, this year. Now, I do think the writing is on the wall to move on from Ryan Tannehill, uh, but I don't think it's necessarily imminent. It's not like they went out and drafted a, a quarterback in the first round. 
Uh, you know, they kind of remember that waiting pattern that kind of happened in the NFL draft yeah, after nobody, uh, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, uh, no one picked quarterback. So I know everyone wants Ryan Tannehill to hit the bench and all that stuff, which eventually could happen like what happened with Marcus Mario, but I just don't foresee that yet. I think Tannehill. They are paying him like 40 million bucks, which is a problem yeah, on the yeah, he's not going anywhere yet. Yeah. And I'm no Ryan Tannehill fan. I don't want to sound like a Ryan Tannehill fan because uh, ultimately I think he, he has a ceiling. He absolutely does. But I don't think Malik Willis is ready to really put the pressure on him yet. Uh, moving on, Peter, to uh, the back end of the AFC South. Let's start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags, now their 2021 season was as eventful as it was. Like I, Arguably the most eventful team in the NFL Highs and lows, and there really wasn't a high until week 18 where they beat the Colts. That was their only high. But between the Urban Meyer fiasco, between just the Tim Tebow fiasco, between the getting fined in OTAs last year, between all of this, uh, the Jaguars had the first overall pick in the draft again. And uh, DraftKings has them set at winning six and a half this year. Uh, and they are plus 700 to win the AFC South. So let's talk a little bit about how their offseason went. And they were busy, Peter. They might have been the most, they're probably the busiest team in the NFL in terms of bringing guys in. They spent a lot of money this offseason, and they did it really without a hesitation. Uh, they brought in wide receiver Christian Kirk uh, from the Cardinals for big money, tight end Evan Ingram for big money, receiver Zay Jones for big money, uh, a guard, Brandon Sheriff, for big money. Uh, they franchise tag offensive lineman Cam Robinson. Uh, in terms of uh, draft picks, Trayvon Walker was the first overall pick of the draft from Georgia. Still not in love with the pick. Uh, they drafted linebacker Devin Lloyd, who I really like, in the uh, back half of the first round. Uh, key losses, they lost offensive lineman Andrew Norwell. Uh, they lost linebacker Damian Wilson. Uh, and Doug Peterson is now the head coach down in Jacksonville. Uh, Peterson, after sitting out last season, uh, after being fired from the Eagles in 2020, uh, is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence enters his second season with the Jaguars. So, Peter, what is your take on the Jaguars? Yeah, I think the Jaguars schedule is pretty easy, to be honest. And if you subtract Urban Meyer from anything, I, I think it's an instant upgrade. But I, I just don't get how they, what they did in the offseason because they signed a bunch of two, three receivers. But – I mean, I, I think the division as a whole is kind of soft. So I have them as a slight over. I, I know for a fact they won't be the worst team in football again. And I, I expect Trevor Lawrence to uh, take a step forward. People forget how uh, good Trevor Lawrence actually is. Yeah, he has to take a step forward because if he has a year like he did last year, then I think a lot of people in Jacksonville are going to be really sweating because there's no more like, oh, it was Urban Meyer. Like, oh, like, uh, it's fine. Like, if he struggles under Doug Peterson this year, uh, when I say struggle, I mean, like, really bad. So the Jaguars, right, uh, last season they won three games. The year before they won one game. They haven't had a winning season since 2017, uh, and that was the year they made it to the AFC Championship. So, look, the last four years have been really bad in Jacksonville, and, and Trevor Lawrence uh, has been tasked to really uh, change the fortune in Jacksonville. And, look, I, his talent is undeniable. Um, do they surround him with the right pieces? I think that's yet to be seen. I'm not as high on Evan Ingram and Zay Jones and Christian Kirk as apparently they are. Cause they gave them a boatload of money. Uh, they spent like drunken sailors. And I don't know if that was for the best. Uh, they still have, of course, Chanel, uh, the receiver. He's still over there in Jacksonville. I am really, really high this year on Travis Etienne though. Really high. Yeah. I was just going to get to him. He is, uh, he didn't James play Robinson's all last year. Not even in the pit. He's not even in the picture. He got an Achilles injury at the end of the year. So he's going to feast. So Travis Etienne, he's the first-round pick of 2021 from Clemson, the running back. Uh, I remember when the Jaguars picked him, everyone was like, why did, why did you do that? Like, uh, it's that actually was, pretty smart now, if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, not to uh, speak injury on anybody. but Yeah, of course, the injury was uh, completely uh, – again, they didn't know that was coming. On uh, the Jaguars' defense, it feels like they have some pieces now. I like the linebacker, Josh Allen. I like the linebacker, Devin Lloyd. And if Trayvon Walker can play a little bit, I think that'll help. I'm not sure if he can. I wouldn't have picked him first overall. I, I said it a bunch during the NFL draft, so I think he's going to really have to produce. So I think there's a question mark there. Uh, I agree with you, Peter. I think I can wholeheartedly say the Jaguars won't be the worst team in football this year. Uh, I think no, they I, guarantee, I guarantee it. They won't guarantee be. it. 
Yeah. I mean, to be to get the first overall pick three years in a row, like that is very difficult to do. Like very, very difficult to do. I mean, you talk about probability alone. Like you'll and just... they beat the Colts the last week when they didn't even have to. Exactly. Like that's just absurd. And they still get the first overall pick. Yeah. Like, right. Uh I think I'm gonna take the slight under. I think they win six games. So I think they go six and eleven. So I think that's an improvement. Uh in itself, that would be more wins that they've had over the last two years combined. So I think that's just if you want to put it like that. Uh I think it's going to take Doug Peterson some time to really change some things over. I think Peterson knows what he's doing offensively, uh, but I think to really change the culture, to really change things in Jacksonville, it's going to take a couple of years. Uh, I think we see Lawrence make a step forward in his progression. I think he has a better year than last year uh, for sure. Um, but I think they ultimately finish under a, a six wins. And I think that's if you're a Jaguars fan, you win six games after coming off two really, really bad seasons. Uh, I think you sit there and you look pretty happy because you know how this year feels like people are kind of, uh, they feel like the Detroit Lions are a team that made some progress last year and could look to take another step this year. Like, I think that could be the story for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, they're going to lose a lot. They're going to lose most weeks. But I feel like they're going to play hard, unlike last year. And they could be a team heading into 2023 where people could be like, you know what, this could finally be the year where the Jaguars finally break through. So I think they're a year too early. Uh, and they end up winning six games. They're going to be competitive. That's what I think a Doug Peterson team does. Totally agree. All right, Peter. Uh, last but not least, Houston Texans. Uh, their win total is set at four and a half, and their odds to win the AFC South are at plus 3,000. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Texans. Uh, David Culley, uh, he was gone after one season as the head coach of the Texans. Uh, it is now uh, veteran head coach Lovey Smith. Uh, Lovey Smith takes over for David Culley. Uh, after he hasn't been a coach in the NFL for a long, long time. I think it's close to 10 years, if not more. Um, but he's been around as a coordinator, uh, so he has absolutely some experience there. Other key signings for the Texans, cornerback Steven Nelson. Uh, they brought in running back Marlon Mack. Uh, and they re-signed a bunch of guys. They re-signed Brandon Cooks, offensive lineman Justin Britt, cornerback Desmond King, linebacker Christian Kirksey. Uh, some losses, of course, most notably Deshaun Watson, who's been realistically a loss for two years. Uh, but I guess we'll categorize it as officially a loss now. Loss for like ever. Yeah. Uh, cornerback, uh, Terrence Mitchell, safety, Justin Reed. Uh, key draft picks. Uh, they drafted a cornerback, Derek Stingley from LSU. He was, uh, I believe, the first cornerback taken. Uh, I love Derek Stingley. Uh, they drafted uh, offensive lineman, Kenyon Green as well. Uh, and uh, wide receiver, John Mechie from Alabama, who I really like, who's unfortunately going to miss uh, the entire season. Uh, due to cancer, which is truly unfortunate because I was really looking forward to watch him this year with Davis Mills. So that really sucks. Uh, so you look at the Texans, Peter. Uh, what do you think? I just don't think they have enough around Davis Mills. And I think Davis Mills, sorry, no, is going to get figured out. He is ah, a, no, I, I really think I they, they have a full offseason on. They know he's going to be the starter. It's not going to be, I don't even know who's in the back room. And it is at the moment. Um, because it's not Tyrod Taylor anymore. It is Kyle Allen right now. Uh, and don't sleep on Jimmy Garoppolo. Just throwing that out there. I mean, if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, I'll change my answer. I have them as a slight under. I think they're going to win four games. I just think David Mills is going to get uh, figured out. I, I I thought he was the answer, but maybe after this season, I'll uh, develop a real answer. But I don't think he's the answer anymore. Damn, Noah is somewhere crying. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Noah. Don't, Noah don't is somewhere answer. crying. So similar as 12 games <laughs> winning the AFC. 14 and three winning the AFC. So similar to the Jaguars, the Texans are coming off really back-to-back, really bad seasons. Uh, they've won four games the last two seasons. Uh, and I think this year they take a slight step forward. I think they can win five to six games. Uh, I'm going to take the over here. Uh, and look, maybe it's biased because I hear Noah talk up to me on a daily basis, Davis Mills. Maybe I'm reading too much on the Jimmy Garoppolo rumors. Maybe it's a combination of all of it, but I think they can win six games. Like, I don't think that's crazy. I really don't think that's out of the equation. Lovey Smith is a veteran head coach, a uh, veteran presence in that locker room. Uh, and the Texans, when you look at their roster, it is, it is littered with veterans all across the, uh, the grid. And I feel like they can make a little bit of noise. Six wins, it feels like it's not a hell of a lot, but I think they would absolutely, similar to the Jaguars, I think they'd absolutely take it. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks uh, absolutely helps that offense. Uh, but, of course, they need more around Davis Mills, like you said that. But I, I think they can find themselves winning five or six games. I'm going to take the slide over there. Well, listen, if they uh, sign Jimmy Garoppolo, which they probably will, knowing this podcast, when this comes out, it will be outdated, like, yeah. instantly. Ah. 
But like I, I I will change my answer, but right now it's boy. And I've been reading a lot of analysts that say like keep an eye on the Texans, this and that. So uh, maybe there's something going on there in Houston that no one's really talking about. No, uh, I love the, the guy they drafted in the first round, Derek Stingley. I think Stingley is going to be a baller. Like, I think immediately, Peter, I don't really want to talk like defensive rookie of the year and all that stuff, but he is right there in the thick of things. Uh, the kid is an absolute baller. So if he, tell you what, Peter, if he could have like left after his freshman year, Stingley would have been like a top, he would have got picked arguably like second overall. But of course he couldn't do that. And he ended up getting hurt and things kind of altered his draft status, but the Texans still uh, did not shy away from him. So it really didn't impact him at all. Uh, so I, I like him. I like what they are able to do. I think Lovey Smith, I know it's Lovey Smith, but it feels like he's a veteran. Yeah, but that's kinda, so boring. I, I know it's boring, but it's, it's not like boom or bust. Like it's boring. Like it's, you know what you're going to get. And I think that's something they probably are going to benefit from. Because David Culley, look, he was a wide receivers coach, a uh, very inexperienced. Well, I feel bad for him. I, he, he was a lame duck one year. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, like, I'm not a huge believer in canning guys after one season. Sure, there's some exceptions, but uh, I think what he was able to do with Davis Mills was beneficial, so I, I agree with you on that standpoint. But Lovey Smith's a veteran. He's been around for a long, long time, uh, and I think he can get enough and help develop, help develop Davis Mills as much as he possibly can. So I don't know. I, I think the Texans can do a little bit. And again, maybe it's a little biased because I talked to Noah. All right, Peter. So that is our breakdown of the NFC South and the AFC South. Uh, so yeah, that was fun, Peter. Good stuff. It, was. it always is. Always is. So Peter, uh, I want to stick uh, with talking about some NFL news uh, because look, I, I think this is a funny story and I think this is something that I absolutely kind of want to talk about. Well, again, after, after the uh, podcast here, well, uh, when we are ending the podcast, you're like, well, let's see if uh, Kyle Murray and uh, Omar Jackson reports a training camp next week. And then you're like, and then of course, probably, yeah, yeah, of course. That's how it always goes. But uh, like Peter just said, uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, extended quarterback uh, quarterback, Kyler Murray, uh, they gave him $160 million guaranteed. Uh, it is the second highest quarterback guarantees in the NFL, uh, right behind Deshaun Watson, who's first of $230 million. So, yeah, LOL. Yeah, exactly. But uh, when you take a, a – okay, before the latest news about Kyler Murray, you take a look from 50,000 feet and you say, you know what? Look, I understand Kyler Murray's 23-23-1 as a starting quarterback. Like, I absolutely get that. He is – been around 500. He struggled in December and January. I think he's four and six in December and January. Always, his career. Does, always does. Uh, always does. And some people are really hesitant on Cliff Kingsbury as well. So I understand people's uh, hesitant, like their hesitation to give Kyler Murray an extension. But I said, look, there really isn't an alternative. It's not like you can go out and pick franchise quarterbacks off the tree. I don't think Kyler Murray's a top five quarterback in the league, but I do know he's a franchise quarterback. He is in uh, September and October. Yes, absolutely. So I, I didn't really fault the Cardinals for giving him the extension. I was like, you know what? You got to do it. I absolutely get that. But then, Peter, let's transition to Monday afternoon. Uh, Ian Rappaport, right, of NFL Network, uh, he uh, had a screenshot of uh, Kyler Murray and, like, the clauses that were in his contract. And uh, one of the, uh, the clauses in his contract were um, Kyler Murray is required four hours of, quote, independent study per game week. Four hours of independent study per game week. Uh, it also goes on to say, I'll read this exact quote. Uh, quote, players shall receive. Okay, uh, I'll, actually, I'll just read, read it from the top. Independent study means player studies the material provided by him, by the club, in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game, including, without limitation, any such material provided via an iPad or other electronic device, Time spent in mandatory meetings shall not constitute as independent study. Um, players shall not receive any credit for independent study um, with respect for any time periods during which any material is displayed or played on an iPad or any other electronic device uh, if he is not personally studying um, or watching the material while it's being displayed. So meaning he can't like sit there and watch Family Guy while he's watching film. So I this was the first time a contract clause like this has ever really been written. Uh, and now I am immediately turned off by Kyler Murray. I am immediately 
Now, understanding why the Cardinals were hesitant to give him this contract in the first place, now I fault them for giving it to him, giving it to him now, and I fault Kyler Murray for his whole work ethic. His whole—it's clear that his work ethic, his work ethic, has not been there over the last years for the Cardinals. Because if it was, this contract clause would not be in there. Yeah, honestly, that's so funny. He has to get told to study for a thirty million dollar contract. Or whatever, sixty million dollars guaranteed. Or whatever it is, like you see Tom Brady doing that for like twelve, fourteen hours a day, just like whatever. I know he's like a maniac and insane anyway, but like, as your job, you shouldn't you shouldn't be able to tell somebody to do that. Like, you should do that by yourself. Like, what are you We're doing at like uh, exactly? Don't like are you just like sitting. Is there he and- in that stupid phase clan? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in phase and he loves like Fortnite and like Call of Duty and stuff. I mean, who doesn't, but, like, come on. Exactly. And they're calling it, like, a homework clause, I guess, which is kind of <laughs> funny. But to me, anyway, it's just – it's a bad look for Kyler Murray. His work ethic is being questioned. And I think this was, in my opinion, I think this was probably leaked from the team after we saw some – I bet you there were these were messy contract negotiations. Uh, and I think uh, they probably went on for a long period of time. Both sides were – digging in and it felt like the Cardinals ended up losing because Kyler Murray got what he wanted. He got all that guaranteed money and all that sort of thing. But I think the Cardinals said, Hey, Ky- Kyler, you think you're out of the woods yet? No can do, sir. Well, cause hey, he like hey, deleted hey, everything from his Instagram and he yeah. like unfall and all, all petty stuff. But like, yeah, I think this was a messy contract negotiation. And I think the public saw a little bit of it with Kyler Murray getting rid of, like you said, his social media accounts, uh, not really, saying that he's happy to be in Arizona, all threatening to hold out, all that crap. And I think the Cardinals said, hey, hey, Ian Rappaport, here you go. Like, Kyler Murray's got to study for four hours, but I think it also looks poorly on them because they gave him the money. And it's just, I don't know. I was, I'm not a and huge And how does Kyler Kingsbury not step in and be like, hey, you're the franchise quarterback. Like, figure it out. I, it's just, I think like, Arizona hold is a, Hold him in a room and just be like, hey, we've got to figure this out together. Like, I'm going to get fired. Arizona is dysfunctional. I really think there is a lot of dysfunction there. Uh, having bad work ethic as a quarterback is, is almost a death sentence, to be honest with you, because all that, a lot of that position is what you do off the field, you know, studying game film, studying defensive tape, uh, audibles, all that crap. Like a lot of it is like the whole mental aspect, which is like off the field. Of course, a lot of it is on the field, athletic ability and all that sort of thing. But especially when you're a guy like Kyler Murray, right? who's in a situation which I feel like a lot of guys think he is a poor leader. That's been talked about as well. People that players haven't necessarily gravitated towards them. And then you have this sort of thing come out. It's just a bad look for everybody involved. And now the Cardinals look like idiots for giving him all that guaranteed money when they don't trust him to really do his job. And uh, that's a bad a look as possible. Again, if you're the Cardinals, they're really, I don't know. We'll talk about the NFC West, I'm sure, in a couple weeks. But if you can kind of see my tone. Uh, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I, I will not be betting you're over. I can promise you that. One. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just not in love with the Cardinals. I'm just not in love with Kyler Murray. I was never really. I had questions about his leadership and durability before. I love before. Kyler Murray, though. That's I'm out, 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 out. You think out. you should have played baseball? Uh, I'll, I'll. Tell you what, I'll conclude my Kyler Murray talk with this. I think he will play baseball at some point in his career. Oh, wow. I do. I, I think he – I will. I absolutely do. And could that be a little bit of a foreshadowing of how his NFL career could continue? Maybe. Maybe not. But I do think he eventually plays baseball, Peter. I yeah. do. Yep. Feels like I'm rushing these hot takes here, Peter. I, I like the Falcons. I like the Texans. I like Kyler Murray playing baseball. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Peter. Keep it going. Keep it going. All right. All right, Peter. Uh, Let's conclude the show talking a little bit of NBA. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've been kind of waiting for a Kevin Durant news to come. Uh, and it feels like it's been a complete standstill uh, with the whole Kevin Durant front. Uh, there really hasn't been much information. Nobody's really been uh, reporting about Durant. And there has been even talk about the Nets going to training camp with Kevin Durant on the roster, along with Kyrie Irving. But that sort of changed on mon- early Monday morning. 3 a.m. Peter, a true story here. True story. You know me like I'm never up at 3 a.m., of course. Yeah, what are you doing? Uh, don't, uh, don't turn into me. Don't, don't be doing I'm not. Oh, I didn't. I did not. So uh, 
at 3 a.m. Uh, I, I got up and I used the bathroom and like I went on my phone and it, I got a, a notification from Woj because I have my notifications on for him. Uh, and this was the headline. I'll read it right off uh, at Woj ESPN. ESPN source uh, has Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant's trade request approaches his fourth week. The Boston Celtics have emerged among teams engaged in, tra- in talks on a possible deal. And then it was linked to his story. Peter, I, I, I thought I was like dreaming. I was like, what? Like it's two 30 in the morning. And is Kevin Durant going to get traded to the Celtics by the morning? Like I stayed up an hour and like, I was waiting for more. Like I couldn't believe it. The one day, like I was up at 3am, which I, Peter, you know, I'm never, yeah, never, absolutely never up at 3am. So I saw that. And like, I, I was shocked. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I know we've talked about the Celtics as kind of dark horses, but having a story drop at two 30 in the morning to me meant, Oh, Durant's going to be a Celtic by the end of the day. Like I was like, is this is happening? Like Woj isn't writing a story at two 30 in the morning with, if it wasn't imminent, you know? So I was like, crap, this is happening way too fast. I can't believe I'm up for it. Oh my God. And then obviously nothing really uh, came to fruition at that point in time. Uh, then Shams of the athletic, uh, he wrote a story uh, that, went even further on Woj's report. Uh, he reported the Celtics made a concrete offer to the Nets. Uh, he reported that the Celtics offered Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick for Kevin Durant, uh, but the Nets said no. The Nets said Marcus Smart needs to be in any deal, along with another rotation player and another pick. And the Celtics were mulling, uh, according to Shams, uh, the Celtics were mulling what uh, they wanted to do, uh, what their course of action would be. So all this happened on Monday and Tuesday. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, wow, this is absolutely absurd, Peter. So Peter, we're a couple of days removed from all those reports. Uh, what was your takeaway when it first happened? Do you believe these reports are accurate? Uh, and of course, and I'll, I'll finish with this Jalen Brown. He ended up tweeting SMH. Uh, in my opinion, showing his frustration with the team, uh, with the report, if true and all that other sort of thing. So yeah, so A, you're going to piss off Jalen Brown. You're 1A. I really think Tatum's 1B, for, for now anyway. Would you yeah, trade you Tatum him, over Brown? You showed him in the playoffs. I'm, yeah, wow. because I think really? I think he's going to go to the Lakers anyway, eventually. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. But, I mean, you're going to piss off your star player. That's always good. You need to extend him. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Two, what's up with Marcus Smart? Everybody loving Marcus Smart. I will literally hand-deliver Marcus Smart if it – brings Kevin Durant. I, I don't know the fluctuation. With would, you Mar- have, would you rather have Derek White than Marcus Smart? Yeah, if it's, it's Kevin Durant, sure. Uh, what? I mean, I'd rather have Marcus Smart than Derek White. Yeah, obviously, but I'd rather have Derek White. And but it wasn't Kevin just Durant. Derek. It wasn't you just swap them and they're going to make a deal. So you got to throw somebody else in. All and right, I'll throw in. That's, that's a lot. I mean, you're, you're, that's a lot. That's a lot. But, like, three, I have a problem with uh, Kevin Durant joining the Celtics. I mean, it's just going to be Golden State 2.0 over again. I mean, you got Sweat versus the Celtics. They're, they're in the finals. Why, why do you need to join them? It's like poetry. It rhymes. Find your own, yeah, find your own team. Like, this can't be the Warriors 2.0. Like, I, I don't. I think this is different from, from a Kevin Durant perspective. It would be different because he didn't choose to go to the Celtics. Like, he doesn't. No, that, right, right. He can't force a trade anywhere because he has zero leverage in the situation because he's on a contract for four years. It's not like. For example, if he had one year left on his deal, the Nets would be like, hey, the Celtics want to trade for you. And he's like, all right, that's fine, but tell him I'm not resigning. And then that kind of stops the trade talks right there. He does not have any leverage in the situation, which he, he's not dictating his own future, which was what I was shocked to find out he made the trade requests in the first place. So we talked about Kevin Durant uh, and the possibility of him ending up with the Celtics like a month or two ago, not two months, about three or four weeks ago. And uh, we both said that it would probably take trading Jalen Brown. And I think the Celtics did their due diligence. I totally believe that. Uh, was there a concrete offer? I'm not a hundred. I, Cause that seems low. It I, does, know and J- tell you, I know it's Jalen Brown, but like that seems low. The worst part here is the Nets, right? Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets. He absolutely schooled Brad Stevens here because he leaked the report, which made in turn Jalen Brown get pissed at the team. And it's a domino effect. Cause now Jalen Brown's unhappy. And now the Celtics might have to give up more to get Kevin Durant because Jalen Brown might say, screw you, I want out. So it's like a domino effect. The Nets played it perfectly. So Sean Marks did a phenomenal job of kind of um, ousting the Celtics from that point. I also don't rule out that the Nets kind of did, 
let's say the Celtics didn't have a concrete report, like or a concrete offer. Let's say they called the Nets and the Nets said, yeah, uh, if you if any talks for Kevin Durant needs to be Jalen Brown, Mark Smart, and three first round picks. And then Brad Stevens like, all right, cool, man. And he hung up. Like, he, let's say that's what happened. Sean Marks takes it to Woj and he says, hey, uh, what's tr- I'm trying to get a lot out of Miami here. I'm trying to raise the price here. I'm trying to get these contract talks going, these trade talks going. I'm going to drop this story and maybe it proves that Miami needs to step up their effort or Toronto, whoever it may be. So I don't rule out that. So I, I was just surprised that all this got leaked. It's a bad look for the Celtics at getting leaks because you don't like one of your two best players uh, involved in trade rumors. And it's not like it's Jalen Brown's first rumors. Uh, he was involved in the Anthony Davis rumors. He was involved with the Kawhi Leonard rumors, the Jimmy Butler rumors, the Paul George rumors, like on and on, and on and on. The first time, probably. Well, that was a free agent. So that was a little oh, bit yeah, different. Oh, yeah, but yeah. So look, those are four superstars that I just mentioned. And to be involved in those trade talks at all, like I think that's, that's an honor to be even discussed about that. But I'm sure Jalen Brown's sitting here, right? He's two years left in his contract. And he's like, you know what? Like, I just signed with Donda Sports as my sports agency, which is Kanye West. I want to be my own guy. I want to have my own franchise, my own team. And the Celtics is trying to trade me every, every freaking season. So I could see him getting frustrated. I could see that kind of playing it out uh, in which he's frustrated with the team, which I, I absolutely do believe. Now that's been debunked. Uh, I guess Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald reported a close source to Jalen Brown saying he's happy in Boston and this and that. But uh, to me anyway, I think that tr- the, the uh, tweet has some meaning. And even the, again, I don't, I'm not a huge, like, let's read in the social media kind of guy, but even his like tweets, like, uh, he liked to tweet about all like the Celtics. Oh, I got some of the tweet is like, oh, I don't know why the Celtics always try to trade Jalen Brown. And he tweeted it. And he, I mean, and he liked it. So I, I don't know. It's just something is not right with the Jalen Brown, with the Celtics situation. If Jalen Brown wants to leave at the end of his two years, I think the decision to move on from Kevin Durant to, to acquire Kevin Durant is easier for the Celtics. Well, that'll be like 36. Kevin Durant, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about now? No, I'm saying if, no, I'm saying if Jalen Brown says, um, I don't want, hey, I'm just going to let you know, Brad, like I'm going to leave in two years. Like I'm just letting you know now. Like I'm just letting you know now. Then the decision's like, all right, let's move on and get a Kevin Durant. Like that's kind of an easier decision. Cause then you're looking at four years of Kevin Durant as opposed to two years with Jalen Brown, right? I think that makes sense. But if Jalen Brown is like, no, like, I want to stay in Boston. Uh, the Celtics can offer me the most money. Um, he would get a 10% raise re-signing with the Celtics with the new CBA and all that crap, like kind of like Damian Lillard with the Portland and all that sort of thing. So he goes, no, nah, Brad, like I, I'm, I want to stay here with the Celtics. Like I'm going to get a max deal. I'm going to make all this money. And then I think the decision is a little bit more difficult for the Celtics because then you're like, all right, Kevin Durant's 34, Jalen Brown's 24. And then the decision becomes, how are the how is Kevin Durant going to age? Is Kevin Durant going to age gracefully in which he plays, let's say, 65 games a season and he's impactful, he's a top five player in the game, or is he going to regress a little bit? That's what Brad Stevens would have to look at. And I think, would you be comfortable breaking up a lot of your depth, whether it's smart, white, Grant Williams, um, potentially Rob Williams? Like Then you kind of have to decipher who... Who would you want to get rid of? Because right now, as currently constituted, let's take Kevin Durant out of the equation. Celtics have the deepest team in the NBA uh, with the additions of Gallinari and Brogdon, I think, anyway. I think you can go 10 deep. So you would have to sacrifice a lot of your depth. Uh, and, of course, you're losing a young superstar in Jalen Brown. So I, there's a lot to weigh. And that feels like, to me, I don't think the Celtics were as involved in the Kevin Durant thing as it was really pushed out. I think it was more of a... The Nets trying to screw the Celtics a little bit. That's what I think. That's all right. Just piss off your uh, 1B or 1A. Well, I, I don't think the Cel- – here's the thing. Like, I don't think the Celtics had the uh, – like, Intention of doing it? No, or... no, they did. Like, I don't think they – it was ever in their mind thought it was going to get reported on. It was the Nets. They kind of – the Nets knew what they were doing. Like they're trying to heat up the Kevin Durant market. It was like from a business standpoint, it's smart. They knew Jalen Brown was frustrated, right? You know, if you even throw this in the fire, he's going to get even more mad. And now the Celtics are in a situation with an angry player. And now do they have to give up more to get Kevin Durant? Do the Nets now raise their asking price with the Celtics? Like it's, it's very, now it's a very delicate situation. Cause now what if Kevin Durant goes to, let's say the Miami heat or the, or the Toronto Raptors 
and Jalen Brown is still frustrated, then what? You know, now I know two years is a lot of time. He's not a free agent next year. Like it's two years. So a lot can, a lot can change by then. And it feels like in the NBA, things change on a dime. Like it could be as simple as you bring in your friend and you're like, oh, like, all right. Like, yeah, who's he like, boys with? He's that Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, he's he's right. very close to Malcolm, Bro- Malcolm Brogdon. So I don't know. It's a very interesting situation, but the Nets, they, they did the Celtics a little bit dirty, but in terms of uh, business in the NBA, they, uh, they got, tell you what, I think they probably got even with the Celtics after that uh, Jason Tatum uh, trade. There you go. Yeah, bro. So, yeah, I, I think that was kind of like a, a screw you kind of thing. But uh, yeah, Peter, maybe we'll, again, maybe we'll get another Kevin Durant news next week. I, again, I don't think it's going to happen this week. I don't, but we shall see. Never say never. All right, Peter. So next week, uh, we'll recap what we talked about uh, for the Patriots training camp, about the AFC East and NFC East. Um, so yeah, Peter, maybe we'll get some Kevin Durant news. We can talk some MLB trade deadline and all that sort of thing. All right, Peter. And Jay, congrats on the uh, graphic. Matt, you're put on notice, to be honest. To be honest. Like, I, I don't know about you. Matt has been MIA for... Yeah, I know. Um, like, when's the last graphic you did? Like, the NBA Finals? <sighs> Summer vacation for Matt. Yikes, kid. Enjoy Maine, Matt. Enjoy. That's all right. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I hope you enjoyed Florida. Enjoy Maine. Enjoy your new son. And the dog. Stay Charlie. That's yeah. It. Yeah, stay Charlie. Oh, is it Charlie? Yeah, it is. I don't know. Stay whatever your name is. <laughs>